Welcome to American Influencer Real Talk. I'm Christopher Crowen, CEO of the American Influencer Association. Get ready for an inspirational show with hairstylist, entrepreneur, and American Influencer Award nominee, Ryan Whedon. Ryan shares how experiencing September 11th in New York City changed his life and shifted his professional career from being an actor to a hairstylist. And now, here's our host, Josh Skinner. Hey everybody, I'm Josh Skinner and welcome to a special edition of American Influencer Real Talk. We have Ryan Whedon on the show. Hey Ryan. Hey Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm doing awesome, man. You've got you really kicked it into that announcer voice. I love it. <laughs> you know, I went through puberty a few times, so it kind of it helps. You know, Ryan, it's uh, deeper and deeper and deeper that voice. Do you like scary movies? <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask you. First of all, you yeah. were a presenter at the Dolby Theater for the American mm-hmm. Influencer Awards. What was it like to be on that stage? Man, I felt like what it must have been feel like to be famous because it starts out where I was one of the privileged ones to actually walk the the carpet outside with you know the so, the paparazzi so to speak you know they weren't like clamoring for my photos but the, you know there were certain big youtube stars and on there and and I just felt it just god it was an amazing feeling to just see all the flashing lights and to be walking with my wife and just like having that moment I'm looking around I'm like I made it <laughs> well, you did. You have a really interesting story. Uh, I love your story. You're one of my favorite people on social media. You started off as an actor in New York, mm-hmm. and then you kind of made it to the red carpet at the Dolby. So you kind of yeah. your dreams did come true. Walk me through your story. Wow, that's a, a long, a long story. How much time do you have? <laughs> uh, but as far as the acting, it, it, I always wanted to be on the screen, and I grew up watching people like Brad Pitt, and it just always. That was the guy that I wanted to be. Every single role that he played, I'm like, I want to be Brad Pitt, not just live his life, but also just <laughs> just have those roles, be Tyler Durden, have all these really great parts. So I jumped into to acting after I realized that being a doctor just wasn't my calling. I took all these science classes and I grew up in the 90s, oh, the, I, the 80s, 90s, and I went to high school in the 90s. And that, during that time, there weren't a lot of real, real pushes to become an entrepreneur. It was either you become a, a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, anything that has a steady paycheck, <laughs> pretty much, you know. And of course, in that steady paycheck, parents would push us to you should go to med school. Anything that's school plus an extra four years is something that you should aim for. And so that's what I was going for. I went to college and taking all these science classes and just did not. It didn't fit. Didn't mesh with who I was. I always wanted to follow my passion and and, and follow love and that's the direction I always wanted to go, but was always afraid to take that step in that direction or did potentially disappoint my family. It wasn't until senior year of college where I realized that there was no way in heck that I was going to become a doctor. Like I was, I was really far behind in my science classes and I was spending every waking moment in my calculus training and classes. And I just wasn't, nothing was really clicking. I was working so hard just to squeak by with a B minus if I was lucky. And then of course I ended up failing some of those classes and realizing this is just not my journey. I got to follow my soul's calling and my soul's calling. I didn't know which way I wanted to go, but I knew I wanted to be in front of the camera to, to some degree. And of course 
having wanted to be an actor for much of my adolescence, what did I do? I changed my major to acting. I'm like, you know what? Screw those three years. I just spent studying everything ex- except for acting. You know, I was like biology, chemistry, uh, uh, organic chemistry. I don't even think I even qualified for organic chemistry. It was just, uh, that was just it, it's scary to me. And then I decided, you know what? I'm going to become an actor. I'm just going to do it. I had that conversation with my parents. I said, I have to do this. I'm so sorry for all the tuition money you've spent thus far, but I got to do this for me. They said, okay, you know, basically good luck. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) And um, they didn't like kick me out. You know, that wasn't like that bad, but it was, it was probably a little bit heartbreaking for them to see all that, uh, you know, all this hope that they had for me just disappear, so to speak. So I changed my major to dramatic arts and I graduated about a year and a half later and moved to New York City after that to pursue my, what I thought was my calling to become an actor. And my acting teacher at the time told me that if you really want to learn acting, you got to spend some time on the stage. And there's no better place to do that than New York City. I mean, you could go up and try your luck in Los Angeles, but you're going to get lost there in, in Los Angeles. If you get into New York City, the energy there will, will push you and drive you and inspire you to do more and more and more. So I went to New York City, absolutely loved it. But acting just wasn't really clicking for me either. I was terrible in auditions. I couldn't sing. I couldn't dance. I didn't have, I wasn't much of a threat. I would go to these auditions and I still remember there was this one script that almost every audition I went into, they would give me this side and say, hey, read this script for me. And it was this thing, this ad for the gap in, I blew it every single time. And I think <laughs> it was just, it was, it was a terrible feeling. I would just see the script and it would just look at me like, ha, I got you again. Uh, and it was just not a, the right fit for me. So I did my best, but I ended up spending more time waiting tables and bartending and, and, and applying for these auditions than actually working as an actor. So after September 11th, I was there during that time. I was actually living on the East River of New York City in, in um, where was I? Williamsburg, Brooklyn at the time. Cool little place, up and coming neighborhood. It's just booming now. And I was, uh, I had a roommate that was moving out that morning. She rushes in. I was waking up having coffee. She said, Ryan, I just saw a plane hit the World Trade Center. And I said, I'm sorry, what? She's like, go onto the roof. You can check it out for yourself. Of course, just totally shocked. I didn't believe her. Went onto the roof. At this point, both towers were smoking. And I, I was, had a, um, a girl over that I was dating. And we were just looked at each other like, oh my God, we're under attack. Like we didn't, we've just filled with fear, just like the rest of the country. But obviously it's even more real when you're actually watching it in real time. You're watching it in with your own eyes. So we went down to the bank of the East river and watched the towers collapse and just watched it. And it was like, uh, we heard sirens, but everything at that moment, I've never heard an emptier silence in my life. We were far enough away that we couldn't hear any of the, the, the you know, the, the crashing or anything like that. But it was like, we all lost a bit of ourselves that day. Everybody that was, had moved to the bank of the East river there we're just looking and we're just like, just, just fear. And, and just every, every bit of hope that was inside of us was just gone for that moment. And it was, it was the emptiest feeling I've ever felt in my life. 
What was it like uh, knowing that there were people in those towers as you were watching it fall? I honestly didn't really even think about that so much as just uh, the whole, um, I, I, I mean, I probably assumed that they were full, you know, just watching these towers collapse. And I think just that it was just part of that feeling, which is like, oh my gosh, you're just, wa- you're just watching tragedy happen right in front of you and people are dying. We don't know what's happening. We feel there's, you know, F-14s or whatever fancy jets are flying overhead. And we really felt like we were at war for, for that morning. Um, and we were trying to reach out to loved ones, to let them know that we were okay, but all the phone lines were jammed. It was a really troubling feeling. And it, thankfully, we didn't have anybody that was harmed during that. But gosh, it, what, a, what a tragic, tragic event to have witnessed. And during that event, uh, I would say maybe shortly after that event, it was just a very stressful time for everyone in New York and, of course, the world, but especially in New York because people are walking around in hazmat outfits and and streets are blocked and there's bomb threats left and right. And I realized that, I, you know, I, I was starting to think of my, look at my life and I realized I didn't want to be a starving artist for the rest of my life. I didn't want to keep doing what I was doing and eking through life and getting a job here and there, but really not having a purpose. And I didn't feel like I had a purpose. So that really put things in perspective for me and for my life that if, if I had been in that tower or, or had, had died during that time, I wouldn't have been happy with where my life was. I wanted to f- feel fulfilled. I wanted to f- do what I could to f- find purpose and find passion and love in my life. And I didn't have that. So that's when I moved out of the city and tried to pull myself back together uh, and figure out, okay, well, what is going to make me happy? I, I got close to touching on something. I did follow my passion to be in front of the camera, but that wasn't enough. That, that I wasn't good at it, and it didn't inspire me to, to wake up in the morning after a, a while of realizing that I, I just don't see my uh, this making me happy years and years later. So then I decided to, well, while I'm trying to figure things out, I guess I'll go back to school, go back to college, take some more science classes. Maybe I'll just ping pong back and forth until I really land on what I wanted to do. So I'm taking these classes and then I ended up meeting another girl. And of course, if you ever heard my story before, it seems like I'm always like (laughs) changing jobs or moving from one love of my life to another to to see, to find that right fit in both my, my career as also my love life as well. But this one happened to be more significant, this, this girl, because it was her mom who was this successful hairdresser up in the San Francisco Bay Area. And she saw what I was doing. And she saw that I was creative and that I liked to be in front of people. And she said, Ryan, have you ever thought about doing hair? And I honestly said, no. I mean, look at my haircut. It's, you know, it's not that great. I've messed around with my hair, but my mom would pretty much part my hair for every school photo up until about, you know, the through high school. <laughs> and you could see it. It's just like hard part straight across, you know, it, it was, it was pretty terrible. Turtlenecks, you know, I, she would more or less dress me too. <laughs> if you look at my school photos, you know, we, it, it was, it was bad. It was bad, but I didn't really have a fashion sense. I didn't really have it, an inclination to, 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 to that like beauty industry. Um, I didn't have that pull. So it was really funny how I found it. And I just said, you know, it was kind of like I threw my hands up in the air. I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's just try it. You know, I, I'm still hating the science crap. Let's try something completely different. 
that's been off the radar forever. That's something I never even thought about doing. And so I went to hair school. Of course, I show up on the first day of hair school and I'm one of two guys there. The other guy was, you know, obviously gay. Of course, nothing wrong with that. But um, I see all these, you know, maybe 50 or 60 pretty cute females looking at me and they're like, hmm, all right, you know, <laughs> maybe can you can you do my hair? And I'm like, I haven't even touched a pair of scissors yet. But then I'm thinking, I'm like, there could be something to this. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, you know, this is this could be fun. And so I, I really started to look at it then. I really started to enjoy it. I, I saw and enjoyed how technical it was and how to to some degree, how how like mathematical it was. So there was that part of me, that blend between right and left brain, that was probably one reason I was going in that science direction, but also needed that creative outlet. So combining those two sides of myself, I found this perfect marriage of, of skill and art. And the more and more I, I did it, the better and better I got, the more systematic I made everything. And it just made sense to me. And from there, I just started to, to fall, in love with it, fall in love with it more and more and more. Um, well, one of your f- quotes, which is one yeah. of my favorite new quotes, is uh, true huh. freedom is finding yourself. Do you, th- do you think that's what your journey kind of describes? Yeah, I think it really describes that because I was, I've always been a searcher. I've always been trying to find my place in life by really finding what I didn't want to do in life. It's kind of like so throwing good. spaghetti against the wall and what sticks, I, you know, and I end up loving. <laughs> what would you say to those listening right now who just feel kind of lost or they're at a crossroad? I, it's, I would take a quote from someone else. I, do something that scares you every day. Mm. You know, I think you have to start stepping into those shoes that might, might scare you a little bit. You got to do something that scares you a little bit every day. Not because just not because you're going to just uh, do it for the sake of it, but do it because it's something that you know is going to benefit you and, and where you want to go in the future. So if you want to be in front of the camera, but you're afraid to press that record button, you got to start pressing that record button. If you want to be a better public speaker, you got to start speaking more. Like you, you have to start to funnel down and look into the future and, and imagine, okay, what is this future Ryan? What's going to make him happy? You don't have to be so specific about like, I want to drive this particular car, or live in this particular house and this particular place, but more of like, what, what is going to fill you with purpose and what are you passionate about? Don't worry about the money, really, because you can, you can profit from any passion. There's always a way to monetize your passion, whether it's underwater basket weaving <laughs> or, 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 or anything, because there, there is always a niche that if there is a market for it, you can make money doing it. Uh, so for those that are trying to find themselves, you just have to really step, really, really do a lot of soul searching and tap into that inner hero and save yourself really from a life of mediocrity. Because I think if we don't tap into our true self, that's what's going to happen. We're going to follow peer pressure. We're going to follow the sheep. And if you, if most of us that can tap into who we are, we go our separate ways because that's our journey. Tell me about your book. Oh, my book. My book, Sweet Success, How to Make Six Figures in a Salon Suite. That was... I wrote it a few years ago, and what's cool about that book 
is, first of all, the writing it. I've never written a book before that. When I look back at it, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. You know, I, I, I almost don't want to even share it anymore because it's, I've, I've grown since then. And I look at, grown since then. And I look at my writing. I'm like, I could be better. This could be better. It could be longer. But yeah, I, I, something as I think entrepreneurs, it's like, we'll look back at our past accomplishments and suddenly because we're already moving exponentially higher, we're like, okay, what's the next book? What's the next thing I can do that's going to make me proud? But yeah, it did make me proud to write that. But this book is about my story. But I, what I do is I put down seven steps to creating your ultimate business, really, and to start finding and tapping into how to make your life more rich, how to become an expert in what you do and really share that with your audience to attract the clientele that best fits with you and your personality. I call it my perfect clientele or your perfect clientele because if you're behind the chair, your perfect clientele might not be my perfect clientele. I mean, just because I want to make money behind the chair doesn't mean that anybody that wants to get their hair done is going to be the best fit for my business. I want every client in my chair to be somebody that I'm like, oh, she's coming in today. I love her. And the next client, oh, she's my favorite client. Oh, she's my favorite client. I want them, all my favorite clients to get confused because they're just all awesome. When I just, anybody that's negative, we don't want those types of people. And just because they're giving us money doesn't make them the right fit for our business. So there's that. There's everything from setting up the, 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 the online technical features to your, your site, to booking systems, to when you ask for help, marketing yourself as, a, as I said, as, a, as an expert, the expert approach, I call it. Uh, and it's a step-by-step blueprint to starting your own business and scaling it. Just like basically start, grow, and scale. So the next book that I'm going to be writing, which I, I don't have a title for it yet, but it's going to be that n- the next aspect of that. Because that one was more about starting and growing and then starting to scale it a little bit. But the next one's going to be, okay, how do we take all that now and really just drive it up exponentially? You call yourself a hairpreneur. Uh, can you tell us about that? I like fancy words yeah. and things that are a little bit different to, to really um, distinguish myself and my journey. And the hairpreneur, I call myself a hairpreneur because yes, I'm an entrepreneur. And yes, I did it in the hair industry. Hair, although I, that was my vehicle for finding success and, and cre- really creating massive success doing it, uh, it, it's just my vehicle. You know, I, I, I don't, necessarily need to be in the hair industry. And I eventually want to potentially move into other industries with what I know and, 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 and what I've learned over the years. But I just, I call myself a hairpreneur, just like an entrepreneur in the hair industry. Now you have a lot of followers and I like to ask this question to all the people on our show. When did you first feel influential? Wow. The first time I felt influential probably the first time I got noticed in public <laughs> and it was, I, I can't remember the exact moment, but I think it was at a hair show a few years ago when masters of balayage was starting to take off and gain a lot of recognition, uh, not just nationally, but globally. And I was walking through a hair show. Like I had always done years and years before. I love hair shows, the excitement, the energy, learning new tricks and tips, buying new products. And then suddenly people are coming up to me are you Ryan? Are you, are you the owner of masters of balayage? And I'm like, well, yeah. Can I take a picture with you? Can I take a picture? And from that point on, I'm like, Whoa, this is weird. And then, and then I am like, this is, but this is cool, you know? And, and then, and then now it's what's even cooler now is I'm doing this thing called mob Mondays, 
where I go live on YouTube and we teach different topics, whether it's sometimes it's technical tricks and, and balayage training. Uh, we just did one yesterday called um, How to Crush It on Camera. So and that's just part of what I call Hairpreneur School, or I have my podcast, Hairpreneur, uh, The Hairpreneur Show. I have so many things going on. I forgot what it was called. <laughs> the Hairpreneur Show. Uh, but this Mob Mondays, and this is another way that I'm really starting to feel influential too. And it's just such a, a cool feeling because I know I'm helping people. I know I'm helping to change other people's lives. Uh, but people are showing up for this without very little advertising. I just say next Monday, I'm going live. And we're going to do this. And I've plenty of times in the past gone live and had nobody show up. And early on in my career, and even if I would market the heck out of something and maybe have you know a couple of eyes on it, it's like when somebody goes live on Instagram and you know you accidentally click live and you're the only person watching, you're like, oh God, I don't want to be the only person watching. <laughs> click, 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 off, off, off. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah, but um, people show up and um, it was kind of cool too because there's this thing uh, called Super Chat on YouTube. I don't know if you know about that, but people can actually like tip you if you qualify for it. So I, you know, because if you're doing something for free and you're giving value, you know, and I was just said, you know, Hey, so we can keep doing this. Um, there's this little, you know, cool little super chat thing. You can, you can, uh, you know, we work for tips <laughs> kind of thing, you know, I need to buy lunch today. So if anybody can help out. <laughs> so I made my first $20 on a super chat yesterday. So I'm like, that was cool. It works. Uh, every, yeah, yeah, every yeah. bit helps. Right. 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 And I was, I mean, I made a lot more money than that, but it's like just, I think that that value is what's really cool is that, uh, you know, I would, I would pay somebody for, for what I teach. And I wish I had someone like me when I was coming up in the industry and that's the kind of education I want to give back because it's just, it's just so valuable to have a mentor and somebody that's been through it, that's done it, that's willing to, to give back. And, and you, I, I had just have, I have years and years of journals full of, of notes of, of people like, you know, Tony Robbins, Brennan Burchard, a lot of people outside of the industry that I've learned from and, and brought it into the hair industry. And I think that was one of the most important parts of my learning journey. Online, I read that you once said that you're most proud of being a father. How has fatherhood changed you? Yeah, today's a great day to ask that. Because <laughs> when I say, um, my son max he's um just turned four months he had his vaccinations like a second round of vaccinations yesterday and of course after kids have vaccinations they have a really bad day a lot of times we'll get a fever so he was up quite a bit last night and last night was my wife's night to take him throughout the night but i mean you know, of course i sleep next to my wife so when she's up and he's crying i'm up she's the one that's actually doing the feeding those nights but you know, I'm still up and broken sleep throughout the night, and and then today it was I almost had to cancel this because he was having this this epic meltdown, and it was just like the worst uh, earth, uh, just like this blood curdling scream, and it was just like you know you're watching this little little child, this loving little beautiful thing, and having like the worst day of his life so far, and, and you know, there's nothing you can do except cuddle him, give him some Tylenol. And, um, so, so yeah, today was a tough day. I mean, everything's fine. It's just, it, this happened with our first one too. My, my daughter, who's, um, a little older than two, I don't know. To, I don't do the month thing. Like oh, she's 47 <laughs> months or whatever, but <laughs> <laughs> well, she's two and change, <laughs> but, um, it's being a father is, is you never thought you could love 
something so much until you have kids and, and you would, I would do anything for my kids. Absolutely anything for my kids. Uh, and, and now they're like little parrots. So I really have to be a leader. I really have to show up as a role model, even on my worst days. And that's hard because we all have bad days. And after this last year, it's, it's been hard to stay positive some, sometimes. Uh, and, and, but it's, it's just, I look at them and I'm like, okay, I'm going to drop everything that I'm doing now so I can focus on them and their experience and their life a hundred percent when I'm with them. It's, it's an incredible experience. Do you have any kids? No, I don't No. Uh, my yeah. sister has uh, a six year old and a six month old. So, and mm. I spent 15 years working for Disney. So I, I know <laughs> kids really well and I'm a fan. Yeah. So congratulations. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for a sharing your heart right now and, uh, and also sharing your journey with us. I know it's quite personal. Um, I think oh, you're yeah, incredible, you Ryan, your journey's pretty awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. So Ryan, if our listeners want more information about you and if they want to follow you, where do they go? They can follow me on Instagram at Ryan.Whedon or my website. There's some cool freebies on there as well. RyanWhedon.com. Last place too. If you want to learn some more hairpreneur tricks, you can go to my podcast, which I drop new episodes on Mondays, The Hairpreneur Show. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on the show. On behalf of all of us at the American Influencer Association, thank you for being a part of our family and our award show. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see what you do in the future. It's incredible. Until next time, friend. Thank you for listening to our conversation with Ryan Whedon. We hope this episode has inspired you. You can keep up with our latest episode of our podcast by visiting us at AIAawards.com and by subscribing to our show on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to follow us on social media at AIA Real Talk Podcast. That's AIA Real Talk Podcast. The American Influencer Real Talk is produced by Christopher Krellen, Bethany Krellen, Josh Skinner, and it's edited by our friends at Lasting Media. Original music composed by at Joshua Hendricks Music. And now, here's our CMO, Bethany Krellen. Thank you for listening to the American Influencer Real Talk. We hope you enjoyed. We are so passionate about all of you, our fans. We want you to be part of the AIA family. You can check out our beauty bundle, which supports our influencer community at AIAawards.com. Want to be a guest on the Real Talk? Send us a message on social. We can't wait to stay connected with you all and don't miss the next episode next week.